It turns out that 40 kilometer an hour winds are not ideal conditions with a nine meter wide kite to learn how to kite surf. And um, I learned that one year ago, coming up here in two days on February 6th, um, a gust of wind picked me up about four meters in the air. The kite came down in front of me and it jerked me forward. The wind jerked me forward at about probably 25 to 30K an hour and came down, started pulling me down toward the sands. Um, my body was turned sideways. My right foot hit the sands. My hips hit and went I face planted, my left leg scorpioned over my body and I tumbled into the sands. And I was sure that I had broken my lower back. The way that I felt was like horrible. I was sure there was a fracture of some kind, bulging discs. I mean, I didn't know what was coming. Um, Ryan Cuff, dear friend and, uh, of mine, came running and uh, quickly realized I was in a lot of pain. Got to the lifeguard station and they put me on oxygen because I was passing out. I was able to barely hobble over to the car and then um, they you know, took me in a little golf cart to the lifeguard station, put me on oxygen just to make sure I wasn't passing out. I tried calling Sharissa repeatedly, but she didn't answer her phone. I mean like 30 times, you know? So in America, the ambulance, even if you have insurance, like medical insurance, the ambulance ride will be at least 1,500 to $2,000. So I didn't want to take the ambulance. Ambulance showed up. The lady comes, listen, um, you really just need to get in the ambulance. I said, let me check my insurance, please. So checked my insurance. I said, okay, it's covered. I'll come. Hop in the ambulance. Sharissa finally calls me back. She was in an appointment, to her credit. I think it was a Bible study, even more important. And she, uh, she said, hey, do you still need a ride? Are you okay? And I was like, um, no, I, I got a ride. I didn't want to worry her. She said, with who? I said, well, I'm in an ambulance. She met me at the hospital, and um, I was there for one night. They did a scan of my back, initially told me I had a fracture in my sacrum. Um, so they kept me there a night. Providentially, I didn't have a fracture, just a severe sprain, uh, left side of my groin. Um, but the next morning, as soon as they wheeled this screen up to me, I said, Lord, maybe this is why I'm here doctor came up to me and, and with another few doctors and said, listen, um, we noticed something when we did the scan of your spine and uh, we noticed some enlarged lymph nodes in your chest and neck region. Um, just go to your, your GP and get a biopsy done uh, when you leave here. I said, okay. I told Sharissa on the phone. I said, maybe this is the reason that this has all happened. Sure enough, uh, fast forward and I'll try to, you know, summarize and squish all of this in. Usually in situations like this, when there's so much to share, I just stretch it beyond the time that I'm allotted. But given that I'm fairly close to the organizer of this event, I think I'll, I'll try to stick to the 10 minute allotted time. Um, little, did I, little did I realize in that kite surfing crash that God was using what could have killed me to save my life. I ended up getting a biopsy done, a needle biopsy of the largest lymph node, which was three centimeters long, two centimeters high, here in my neck. Um, got a needle biopsy. This was February 6th was the crash, so a week later I got the needle biopsy. Um, it came back inconclusive, but clear that something was wrong. 
the, uh, the hematologist specialist they connected me with then said to me, look, we can either surgically remove it and know 100% um, what's wrong and what it is, or we can do another biopsy and know 90%. And I said, well, just remove it, please. I have plenty of them, you know, don't need it. Um, I mean, you know, I can do without one. Obviously, you need everything God gave you, but um, they removed it and... Fast forward now to, and by the way, I should say, the way that God worked in this was so amazing. Monday, the doctor, um, after the needle biopsy, Monday, my hematologist, the specialist, called and said, listen, um, it's something. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's something. And I said, well, that's helpful. Thank you. Um, at least we know it's something. I said, look, what are the ch-? we had done some research, and I said, what are the chances it's some form of lymphoma? And he said, it most likely is. So we started researching, and uh, that was a Monday. He said, he said um, you need to, you know, if you want the surgery, schedule it soon. That was a Monday. Tuesday, we were in the office of the surgeon. He told us, listen, I've actually got an opening. He opened his schedule. He only does surgeries on Wednesdays. He said, I have an opening tomorrow morning. I said, please, do it tomorrow morning. Sharissa sure, and I looked at each other. We saw God's hand, his providence in it. We knew this was my time schedule that God had preserved for us for this surgery. So that was Monday, found out that we needed to have it removed. Tuesday, talked with the surgeon. Wednesday, I'm on the table, had it removed. And Thursday, we got word of what it was. Um, Bang, bang, bang. And then Friday, there was another significant medical appointment. And so literally every day that week, God was rushing us through this process and, um, Absolutely a, uh, a big time. Sorry, I, I misspoke. I said that it was the next day that we found out what it was. There was another medical appointment that day, but we didn't find out for two weeks. And that's significant in the story because for two weeks, we knew that I probably had some form of lymphoma. And Dr. Google was, um, you know, not being very descript. Obviously, we didn't know exactly what I had, but we were able to research and find that, you know, if it was a rare form of lymphoma, it could kill me in a year to three years. And so for two weeks, we were wrestling and, and praying. And, and I came to the point where I, I realized, I said, Lord, if I only have a year or two years to live, then I need to be living every moment of every day doing exactly what I know you want me to be doing because my time is limited. Well, praise the Lord. When the two weeks went by, which was a long time to wait, it felt like, we found out that it, it was Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, thankfully, it wasn't a very rare kind of lymphoma that is especially lethal. But God really spoke to me at the end of that time and said, Justin, why should you live your life now any differently? And um, that is a, a continual reminder to me that we need to be living every moment of every day because we don't know how long we have. We don't get a timestamp. We don't know exactly how long we have left in this world and in this life. Let's be making the most of every single moment. Um, yes, we spoke to a number of friends, in fact, um, some of whom might be listening and might be here, but we spoke to a number of, of medical professional friends and naturopathic doctor friends, all of the naturopathic friends, because we thought, you know what, we'll just treat it naturally, and if it doesn't work, then I'll do chemotherapy. All the naturopathic doctor friends of mine uh, said, and ours, said, uh, you know, we've never seen this type of cancer beat just naturally. Our recommendation is do chemotherapy. It's very effective for lymphoma. 
and then heal yourself naturally. And so, and we did natural along with the, the chemotherapy. Here at Big Camp, oh, and the time is ticking, I really wish we had like 11 minutes instead of 10, you know, but... Um, <laughs> Here at Big Camp last year, we had a special anointing uh, for me, Pastor Danny Milenkov, who you heard this morning. I was, I was blessed to have my brother, Pastor Danny, do the anointing. A number of you uh, here, Tari, um, Blair, I don't know if Blair is here, but a number of people here were, were there at that time. And then I went back to the hematologist and I said, listen, I need another PET scan. And he said, uh, you had one two weeks ago, we, we can't do that. And I said, well, I have to have one. What's the point of being anointed if you're just going to go get chemotherapy anyway, as if you know you have cancer and God hasn't healed you, right? And so I, I told him, well, listen, for me to, I told him, I've seen miracles. I've seen God miraculously heal people uh, through anointing. I was anointed. I briefly shared with him. And I said, for me to be receiving chemotherapy without getting another scan, or at least a CAT scan to see if it's still there, would be like you giving six rounds of chemotherapy to a patient and then prescribing six more without checking, a, doing a PET scan to see how they've done. And he nodded and he went, well, um, they're going to wonder why we're doing this, but I'll call it pre complex pre-treatment decision-making. <laughs> so I wrote that down. I took it to the scan and the lady said, weren't you just here a few weeks ago? And I was like, yep. My doctor said, you know, complex pre-treatment decision-making. So she was like, okay, and got the scan. It was still there. God always wants to heal us. Sometimes when we have anointings, when we pray for people, we say, Lord, if it's your will to heal them, it is always God's will to heal. The question is not if, the question is how and when. God sometimes heals instantaneously, miraculously. Sometimes he heals through medical procedures. Sometimes he heals through natural means. And sometimes he chooses to wait until his second coming to give us a brand new body. But he always wants to heal. God will heal his people. Amen? I began chemotherapy. And by the way, two weeks after my diagnosis, we learned that Sharissa was pregnant with our, our first child. It was then that I knew and believed even more fully that God was going to heal me and Sharissa as well. We thought, you know, the Lord is not going to, to bless us with this child to instill hope and courage um, in order to just let its father die before it's born or, you know, shortly after uh, it is born. However, of course, there was still a very real risk. I began chemotherapy May 19. Many of you here prayed for me. In fact, let me just see a show of hands if you heard about this. I know if you had heard about it, you would have been praying for me. So don't feel bad if you didn't raise your hand. But uh, thank you all for praying. God bless you. He's helped answer. He's answered your prayers and thank you for them. Um, I announced it to our church on, May, on April 30 in a sermon called Why Me, Lord? But the sermon isn't what you think. Why Me, Lord? was a different perspective. What do we choose to focus on? And the run toward the end of the sermon was essentially, Lord, why me? Why have I been so blessed to live in this country where we have such great medical care, where this can be taken care of, and so many people in the world don't have that privilege? 
Lord, why me? Why have I had the, the blessing of being married for these last beautiful three and a half years it was, or three years at the time, when, when I could have died in my teenage years? Or so many people don't have that privilege and that joy. Lord, why me? Why have I had the privilege of knowing you and the beautiful truths of your word and the three angels' message and being a part of your remnant church when so many people die without that joy and without that experience? Why me, Lord? Why have I had this this blessing of the kite surfing crash when so many people find it at stage four. Why me, Lord? Much of life is about our perspective. What is our perspective? What do we choose to focus on, the blessings or the challenges? I just want to share with you what I read that morning as we head toward the end of this testimony time. I think I'm over my 10 minutes. Um, But I read something that morning that I didn't know the Lord was giving me for this entire journey. And when I say that morning, I mean the morning of my kite surfing crash, all right? This is what I read. And and I'm gonna gonna give you two references, write them or type them down, check them out later because I can't read them all, but you'll be tremendously blessed. Testimonies to to the Church, volume four. So in the Ellen White's Writings app, if you use that, just type in in the search bar, 4T84, and hit the search button and it'll take you straight to the page. Testimonies to the Church, Volume 4, pages 84 to 86. I just want to read you a few snippets of this. It says this, The purification of the people of God cannot be accomplished without their fill in the blank. What do you think it says? The purification of the people of God cannot be accomplished without their their suffering. Let that sink in. Cannot. The purification of us, of God's people, cannot be accomplished without our suffering. Wow, that's heavy. Later it says, oh, just going on, God permits the fires of affliction to consume the dross, to separate the worthless from the valuable. Later she says, true grace is willing to be tried. Then she says this, and I should say, um, and this whole section is beautiful, very, very powerful. Um, She says, God would have his servants become acquainted with the moral machinery of their own hearts. Are you acquainted with the moral machinery of your heart? Do you know why you react a certain way? What flips the switch that causes you to react a certain way? What's the moral machinery of your heart? This experience taught me a lot about myself. Let me tell you, when you're suffering in extreme pain, it is very hard to be patient. It is really hard to be patient, even to the people who are lovingly caring for you at times. And Sharissa would say an amen to that. I know. Um, She cared so faithfully for me. It was tough because she was morning sickness for the first 12 weeks of her pregnancy while she's looking after her husband going through chemotherapy. No hair, lost a lot of weight, in severe pain, side effects. God is good. He carried us through, and we praise his holy name for that. He wants this to happen. It says he brings us into be acquainted with the moral machinery of our own hearts. In order to bring this about, he often permits the fire of affliction to assail them that they may become purified. You know that the spirit of prophecy, and we see this in scripture as well, if we fail to learn the lessons that God wants to teach us in a certain trial, God will bring us over the same ground again. That was a very, very scary quote to me in a sense when I was at the end of my chemotherapy treatment and I received the first clear PET scan. Praise God. By the way, it was on July 4, which is Independence Day in America. And I was independent of cancer. Hallelujah. 
I realized, though, that there is chance of relapse. And I'm not saying that everyone who relapses into cancer has not learned the lessons that God was wanting to teach them, but that's what God was telling me. Justin, are you sure that I have, you have learned the lessons I've wanted to teach you during this time? When God doesn't heal us instantly, it's because he has lessons to teach us along the journey. He wants to draw us closer to him in the journey. And I revisited this passage and I came to this and I was encouraged. It says, God brings his people near him by close testing trials, by showing them their own weakness and inability, and by teaching them to lean upon him as their only help and safeguard. Then his object is accomplished. I had, I had, we had no one to lean on but the Lord. And I realized his object had been accomplished. They are prepared, it says, to be used in every emergency, to fill important positions of trust, and to accomplish the grand purposes for which their powers were given them. I don't claim to have arrived by any means, but friends, I praise God for carrying us through and for what he did. My appeal to you is simply this. When I came to the end of that time, friends, and I, I really did wrestle with this because I wanted to be able to say it in 100% honesty, knowing that it was completely true. And I could not say this for a long time because when you're in the midst of suffering and pain, it's hard to have this attitude. But afterward, we should be able to look back and have this perspective. At least I did, I should say. And I, I praise the Lord that he shifted my perspective. And if I could go back in time to one year ago and God said, you have the option to not have cancer and to just live the year without it, I would choose to do nothing differently. I should say this, sorry. I would choose no other path than God laid out for us. I'm so grateful to God for the suffering that he enabled us to go through. Personally, really to help purify my character. I have a long way to go, but by God's grace, I'm not where I once was. He's been changing, he's been transforming, and I'm so grateful to him for that. I said I'd give you two references. The other one is FLB, The Faith I Live By, page 64, paragraph four. And it says this, and I will pull it up here. I had it memorized a few years ago and I was a little rusty on it, so I'm just gonna read it for you. God never leads his children. Faith I live by, page 64, paragraph four. So in the app, just type in FLB 64.4, like 64 full stop four. It'll take you straight to the paragraph. God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning and could discern the glory of the purpose which they are fulfilling as coworkers with him. All that has perplexed us, and friend, if you are going through cancer treatment, if you are going through suffering, the loss of a loved one, let this encourage you. Cling to this promise, even when it doesn't seem like it can possibly be true. Cling to this promise. All that has perplexed us in the providences of God will in the world to come be made plain. The things hard to be understood will then find explanation. The mysteries of grace will unfold before us where for our finite minds discovered only confusion and broken promises, we shall see the most perfect and beautiful harmony. We shall know 
that infinite love ordered the experiences that seemed most trying. Friends, praise God's holy name that one day everything will be made plain. And when we get there and he pulls back the curtain and shows us every factor that we could not see here below while going through the trials we have gone through, we will say, Lord, if I could see the end from the beginning like you did and like I can see now, I wouldn't have done it any other way. Friend, my prayer for you, my prayer that continues to be for us is that we trust the Lord. Philippians 1 verse 29, I believe it is, says, to you has been given not only the privilege of trusting in Jesus Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. May we be faithful, not only with the privilege of trusting in him, but also with the privilege, and may we see it as a privilege to suffer for him as well. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for loving us enough to purify us through the trials of life. We pray that we would hold so tightly onto your hand in whatever trials we may face, that when all is said and done, we will be there looking up with smiles on our faces, with joy in our hearts, jumping for joy together when Jesus comes. And that when you walk us by the river of life, and when you pull back the curtain and show us the factors that we did not see here below, Lord, may we say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I did not understand those trials then, Lord. But now that I see what I see now, what you saw then, I would not have done it any other way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.